take your Bibles tonight and turn to John chapter 21. John 21. This message really ties together well with this morning's message. We uh, talked about Jesus being a friend of sinners. And here is, is another situation where Jesus once again is uh, revealed as a faithful friend. John 21, and we'll start reading there at verse 19. Or, no, excuse me, verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 19. Uh, John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberia, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel uh, of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship, and immediately, uh, and, uh, immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, uh, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now uh, they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were, two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to, to land full of great fishes. And uh, hundreds and fifty, uh, or a hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, come and, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith uh, to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Simon was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldst not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Our Heavenly Father, as we 
look into this passage tonight. May we do the same as Peter was admonished to do and did, just follow you and uh, help us to see what a friend we have in you. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we see this faithful friend once again, Jesus. You have a friend in Jesus. That's no small thing at all, Christian. You have a friend in Jesus. And this is a side of Jesus that, I'll be honest, has become quite familiar with me over the years. There have been many occasions when I had to come to the Lord, where I've had to confess my sins and failures, where I had to seek forgiveness and restoration. And every time, I would find a friend. Uh, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus, a faithful friend. Jesus is a friend to those that have fallen, to those, as we saw this morning, he's a friend of sinners. And while the, the focus of this chapter is the Lord Jesus, there's also a major emphasis on the, the interaction between Jesus and Peter. And it is that, what, that theme that we would like to zero in on tonight, that interaction between uh, Jesus and Peter. And as I, we, we do that tonight, I'd like to um, talk directly to those that might be listening who just aren't as close as you used to be or as you should be to the Lord. You're not where you should be. Maybe the things of God aren't as sweet as they used to be. Maybe there isn't that hot, burning love, that passion to serve Christ as there once was or that desire to be faithful to the house of God, or to be faithful in reading his word, and faithful in prayer, and faithful uh, uh, to his people, and uh, like there used to be. Maybe that church attendance has become a thing of drudgery and, and toil. So my tonight is to just say this clear, that it doesn't have to remain that way. We all go through those phases where maybe some things have happened. It just seems like we're overloaded and, and we're, uh, uh, it's almost too much to bear. And not only the things that we cannot control, but things that we have brought on ourselves. And so I, I just want to say to all of us here tonight, it does not have to remain that way. Jesus Christ is still our friend. So as we look into what the Lord did for Peter... I want you to know that he can and he will do it for each one of us. This is not, this relationship, this interaction, that this desire that the Lord had to, to bring Peter back where he should be is the same desire that he has for all of us. He wants us to be in that place of restoration, that place of usefulness. So with that in mind, let's talk about Jesus, our faithful friend. Number one, even in our failures, he is our faithful friend. In Matthew chapter 26, we're not going to read all of this passage, but you'll just to point out a couple things here in, in Matthew, or chapter 26, Matthew 26, and verse 69. Matthew 26 and verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him saying, now we know what's happened here. Jesus has been arrested. Peter has forsaken the Lord, ran away, but he followed. Thou, hast, uh, thou also wast with Jesus, this damsel said to, to uh, Peter. 
he was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone into, uh, or out into the porch, another maid uh, saw him and said unto them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, uh, that's a sad story here, but we see Peter's failures. We see Peter, there's no question about it, Peter knew he failed. We can read this account, and we would have to agree, yes, he failed, and he blew it. But when, what, what happened to Peter? How, how did he uh, fail in the first place? How did he get to that place? Well, the place of failure, Peter was in the wrong place altogether. In the beginning, Peter boasted, you remember? Lord, those other guys might deny you. They might forsake you, but not me. Boy, I'll die, I'll die before I'll ever do that. And so he was pretty bold in that uh, uh, statement there. However, verse, uh, oh, I think it's verse, oh, well, we, we don't turn back there. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 58, it tells us that Peter decided to follow the Lord after they arrested him, after he ran off in the dark with the other disciples, then he, he decided, you know what, I'm going to follow. But it clearly states this, phrase, he followed Jesus afar off. And so when Peter found himself surrounded by the Lord's enemies, it became hard for him to stand by that vow he made earlier, to stand by the, the promise he made to the Lord. He denies that he even knew the Lord uh, at all there in Matthew 26. So his place of failure, he was in the wrong place. And he was following Jesus afar off. He was uh, surrounded himself with the enemy, with the, those deniers. And essentially all backsliding happens the same way. Instead of staying as close to the Lord as we should, we begin to follow him afar off. Oh, we're still following we're still maybe trying to go that same direction, but it's not with that fervency. It's not, not where we're trying to stay close. It's almost like we're, it's kind of what uh, we see happening in politics when a president is very unpopular. Well, let's see it happening now. A lot of the governors of these states that are uh, aligned with him, they don't want to be associated with that. Uh, they are more interested in trying to get votes than uh, to have uh, a president that is not very popular. And so we follow Jesus, and yet we follow afar off. We're not where we used to be, right close to him and desiring to, to know him, and as Paul said, to know him in a greater, more uh, passionate way to, to, uh, uh, to do his will and not afraid of whoever sees us following Jesus. Now, kind of in the shadows. And it may begin by simply missing a few services here and there. Uh, maybe... Um, just stop praying like we should be praying. Or we stop uh, reading the Bible. The Bible's not opened as frequently as it was. 
wherever and however it begins, it will eventually lead to the same place, a backslidden and cold uh, condition in a, a spiritual life. So Peter's problem was he found himself in the wrong place. Look, folks, some of us, uh, some maybe even here tonight, maybe some that are listening to this uh, message this evening, uh, you're not, you're, you're in the wrong place. You're not where God wants you to be. You're in the wrong place. I don't know that. I'm not pointing my finger at anybody. I'm not making any accusations at all. I, I just know good and well that very likely there's some that are not where they should be and uh, they are, uh, are in the wrong place tonight. You're not as close to the Lord as you used to be. Um, maybe you need to rekindle those, old, those flames and service to him and love for him. Being in the wrong place is dangerous. Just ask David. Remember David, the king? He was in the wrong place. And he ended up making a foolish decision that messed up many things. Lives were lost as a result of it. And then we see the pain of failure. Peter denied the Lord when he failed there. What's it say? That rooster crowed. He ran out and wept bitterly. You see, Peter was miserable in this new condition. It wasn't just a few days ago that he was on fire for God, that he was willing, and I believe he was serious. He said, Lord, I'll die before I deny. And uh, yet now we see where he was in the wrong place, and, and the, we see the uh, place of the, or the pain of failure, and uh, he knew more than anybody, that he had wronged the Lord. He knew that he had violated something very precious and sacred. He was a miserable man. And so is every child who backslides, who, who gets away from the Lord, who follows afar off from the Lord. They're miserable. They're out of the world of God, and they're miserable. So you will soon realize that sin brings with it pain, that it, it, um, there's a price that comes along with it, suffering and misery. Uh, the, the, in Proverbs, Solomon says, the way of the transgressor is hard. Gone will be the peace of God. Gone will be the sense of God's presence. Gone will be his power. Gone will be the joy of the soul that is worth more than any, all the gold of the world. Sin, thief, it's a robber. It steals uh, youth. It steals beauty. It destroys innocence. It, it destroys effectiveness. Sin has the ability to make you into a very miserable person. I'm talking to the believer, I'm talking to the Christian. Think about that prodigal son there in Luke chapter 15. Was that a happy guy in the hog pen? Not at all. You read that account again. You've read it before. Uh, when all of his friends were gone and all the money was spent, no, there was no happiness at all in that hog pen. It, his uh, primary thought was, you know, I had it a whole lot better back home in my home with my father than I have it here. In fact, my, sir, or my father's servants have it better than I have it right now. And sin is gonna, will make you miserable. Uh, by the way, if sin doesn't make us miserable, something's wrong, definitely. If we're a child of God, uh, in Hebrews chapter 12, you read that text there, if there's no chastening involved, maybe we're not actually a true son or our daughter of the Lord, we're not born again. 
Then we see the price of failure. After Peter sinned here, he felt a definite loss of fellowship, obviously. He, he had a definite loss of peace and joy. He knew that things were different now. And in fact, as far as he was concerned, they could never go back to where they were. It failed. And I, I, I'm speaking primarily to those, again, I clarified, that have trusted Jesus Christ, that know him as their personal Savior. You need to know this. When you decide to walk a different way than following the Lord, to walk a different way than what the Lord intends you to do, that your decision carries with it a very high price. If you're saved, then you can expect um, to lose a whole lot of things when you walk away from the Lord. You can never lose your salvation, but you, I, I, I'm sure you're, you're going to feel like you have lost it in that, that condition. You, you can most certainly lose, and you will lose your fellowship with the Lord. There will be the loss of peace and joy. There will be the loss of blessings and rewards that uh, uh, goes along with walking with God. Sin is a cruel taskmaster. It will beat you silly. It really will. Oh, how uh, people think that sin is a great thing. It's something that I can uh, embrace and it can be a good companion. But oh, it's an awful companion. And it uh, destroys everything it touches. Uh, by the way, if you persist in your sins, if you rebel against the Lord in his efforts to call you home, uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter, or excuse me, 1 John, I think it is 5 verse 16, that there is a sin unto death. Again, talking to the Christian. We're not saying, uh, listen, Christian, you will never experience hell. That's out of the picture. You're saved. You have eternal life. But if we rebel and we refuse to get right, I don't know where that line is, and I'm not trying to pretend I do. I'm just saying, according to that verse, there is a sin unto death. In other words, we can get to the point where we keep saying no to God and disobey that God takes us home. And uh, that's also backed up with a verse in 1 Corinthians 5, 5. And, but Peter failed, and he failed big time. Uh, many say, well, I, I would never do what Peter did. I, I would never do that. Uh, but we are guilty of also denying the Lord many times. Um, I, I'm certain there are some who probably need to come to the altar even tonight and make some things right with God. Uh, but know this. You do have a friend in Jesus. You're not coming back to a, a one that's going to uh, uh, embarrass you or, or reject you. And No, he loves you, and he will. He is your friend if you have failed. And then even in our foolishness, what do I say? Look at verse um, 3. What does Peter do? He saith unto the rest of the guys there, I go a fishing. Now, I'll be the first to say that's not a foolish statement. I love fishing. But in the, in the, what he was doing here is different. I, he didn't just say, hey, guys, let's just go this afternoon and do some fishing. Um, no, he was saying, let's go back to our old life. It's over. You see, after the resurrection, um, and, and this foolishness was revealed in Peter by his decisions that he made. Jesus has arisen from the grave. And uh, Peter must have just assumed, my ministry is over, I have failed, I can never be what God wanted me to be now. 
So he decides, what, what else can I do? I'll go back to my old ways, back to my old way of living, back to being a fisherman. And I'm sure he might have tried to justify that decision. You know, my family needs some income. I need to do something, whatever he did. But uh, whatever the motivation, Peter had been called uh, to forsake all things and to follow Jesus Christ back in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. That's what his calling was. And the Lord's call had been a call to come and to be fisher of men. Now, Nothing wrong with fishing. I'll be the first to say that. But when Peter, his, Peter's plan here was to quit. No more serving God because I have failed. I cannot be used. He was not listening to God. He was listening to himself or listening to that voice of the devil speaking to him that, Peter, you have failed and you can never be worth anything again. Now, there is some truth to what the devil says. Without God, we are nothing. But uh, with God, all things are possible. They always, uh, you know, make base decisions on fleshly motives rather than spiritual ones when they're in a condition, a backslidden condition. And that's exactly what Peter is doing. Um, he was foolish. Uh, have, have you started to backslide? You know. Are you not where you used to be as far as your walk with God? And are you... You uh, uh, going back into the, that old life, many, we've seen too many that that's happened to. And uh, you may even be able to justify it to some degree, at, la at least in your own mind, in your own satisfaction, you're able to justify your actions, your decisions. But you need to know that this, if you're not following the Lord, if you're not where you should be, you're not loving him like you should be, like Peter then you need, you're, you're in a backsliding condition, you're out of the will of God, and you have a friend in Jesus Christ. Your spiritual condition shows on you, though, and you can't hide it. It shows in the priorities that you place on the things of God. You're not fooling anybody but yourself. And then uh, it's also revealed not only in our choices, but our foolishness is revealed in our companions. When Peter went back to the old life, he took others with him. And that's what happens all the time. These other disciples, they weren't so sold out as well. There was some weakness there, and they weren't sold out to God as they should have been. Have you noticed that sin loves company, doesn't it? It seems like there's one person, they backslide, and they get back here and doing the old things, and they're not satisfied until they pull some others down. In fact, they're pretty uncomfortable around individuals that are walking with God. They don't like to get around those type of people. They want to see them come down to their level, so that makes them feel better about themselves. And so Peter, maybe he wasn't even thinking about it, but this is exactly what is happening. The decisions we make affect those around us. And it is revealed in our companions, and we... Uh, and what a shame it is that we feel the need to drag others down into the same pit that which we have uh, fallen ourselves. So what's equally sad is that there was a lot of other individuals there willing to go along with it. Now, they weren't going into sin. They weren't going out here to steal and rot, you know, to kill or anything like that. They were just going fishing, back to Peter's old profession. But it was more than that. He was quitting on God. He was saying, I can't do this anymore. 
I have failed to the point, and I'm just going fishing, going back. And the other guy said, well, if Peter quits, hey, we can't, who are we then? He's, our, he's one of the leaders here. So they quit and go along with him. Um, so what, you know, why does this happen? Why does it seem like there's uh, so many that are, are uh, willing to follow a wayward child of God? Because, again, an individual that has backslidden, they like to surround themselves with those who are in the same level as they are. It helps them feel uh, better, I guess, about themselves. But sadly, we will often try to, you know, reproduce our spiritual temperature in the lives of those who are close to us. It's merely an effort to make us feel a little more comfortable. And then it's also revealed in our consequences. Uh, they fished all the night long, and what happened? They caught absolutely nothing. Now, this must have been pretty devastating, especially for these professional fishermen. These guys, this is their livelihood, or was. And so for them to spend all night out there, not catch a thing. I, you know, I just wonder if there were some other guys out there fishing, and they were just bringing it in, nets full. Um, could be. Uh, and, uh, and then here they are, they weren't catching a thing. And so um, this is, they labored all night, they produced nothing of value. And that's the way it works uh, for those who are out, out in sin. No matter what they try to accomplish in their own strength, they'll always, it'll always come to naught. The prodigal son, uh, he found that out as he sat there in the pig pen, as he watched the hogs eat uh, the, their, uh, those husks. He couldn't even fill his own belly by his own self-effort. So let me remind every person, whether you're listening to this uh, message or here tonight, that you are totally dependent on Jesus Christ for everything. Listen, John said we are nothing without him. We need to understand this. We need him. He doesn't. And I, I know I, I want to uh, uh, clarify this more, but he doesn't absolutely need us. He does, in one sense, this is how he chose to set it up to to get the gospel to a lost and dying world is to use us. But we need him, for we are absolutely nothing without him. And so we, uh, we have to understand that uh, there's nothing we can do to better ourselves or to better our situation uh, without God. You can, re you can produce nothing of lasting value in your own efforts. And that's what Peter and these, these disciples were finding out. In the final analysis, all that lasts are those things that we do through Jesus Christ. Everything else is wood, hay, and stubble. It will burn. And I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians that are going to have their entire lives go up in flames at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, that uh, what will happen, you know, we, we talked about this this morning where um, this adulterous woman came face to face with Jesus. It was just her and Jesus. What will happen? when you are face to face with Jesus. In spite of our failures, in spite of our foolishness, we have a friend in Jesus. We have a friend who loves us. He loves us. Even though Peter had wandered into sin, he uh, hadn't gone so far that the Lord stopped loving him. Do you realize, Christian, there is nothing you can do that God will love you any less than he loves you right now? Or that he loved you when he sent his only son to die for you. And so 
he still had a friend in very, a very high place. And that friend will make all the difference for Peter, and that friend will make all the difference for you and I as well. His uh, friend Jesus found him. Um, after he sinned, returning to the old life, and a long night of failure, I mean, it just seemed like it was snowballing now. He was in a miserable mess. But in all of that, Jesus wasn't far off. Jesus knew where Peter was, and Jesus found him. He came to him. And so, uh, and so he will do for you and I as well. Uh, Jesus, uh, you know what, here, after all of this, what made the difference? What, what uh, uh, changed Peter? It was Jesus. Jesus. All was failing. All was a mess until Jesus came on the scene. And uh, Peter then was... When Jesus came by, there's three things that changed here. Um, number one, Peter was forced to admit his failure. Remember, I said that this morning. Here's Peter. He's in a backslidden condition. And he had to come to the place where he admitted, I have failed. Um, and the same thing for you and I. We can, we can go all day and all night, and we can talk about uh, uh, our, our uh, you know, we're okay, we're fine. But until we get to the place where we say, you know what, I'm not where I should be. We're not going to get the help we need. And so Peter was forced to admit his failure. Look there at verse 5. Then Jesus saith unto them, uh, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. If there's one thing a fisherman does not like, is to be asked, did you catch anything? And he hadn't caught anything. And so he was a failure, and he had to admit that. Um, so there must be an acknowledgment of sin, uh, an acknowledgment of wrongdoing. What does 1 John 1, 9 say? That's to the Christian. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The prodigal son recognized this also. Uh, he had to acknowledge, you know, hey, I'm in a mess here. I'm wrong. And I need to uh, go back and ask for forgiveness from my father. And then Peter also, secondly, Peter started to obey Jesus Christ. Look at verse 6. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship. And Peter didn't argue. He didn't say, Lord, you know, or he didn't know it was the Lord at that time. He didn't say, Mr., don't you know who you're talking to? We get, we're professionals. We know what we're doing. Uh, they didn't at all. But he obeyed. And um, maybe he did have a, an inkling that this was Jesus. But he uh, started doing things rather than doing it Peter's way. He was doing it the Lord's way. And then Peter has a renewed desire to be near the Lord. Look at verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he uh, girded on his fisher's coat, and look at what he did. He cast himself into the sea. He said, I can't wait to, to see him. He uh, immediately wanted to be with Jesus Christ. And that's what uh, uh, happens with a person getting right with God. They are forced to admit their failure, first of all, and then they want to uh, start obeying him, and then they have a new desire to be near the Lord. And so he went to meet the Lord immediately. Uh, there was also, uh, our, that's, that's true also of the, uh, the prodigal son. When he realized his sinful condition, he realized his uh, errors in life, he uh, got out of that hog pen and went home. And he, if he could have got there any faster, he would have. But he uh, walked, he got there as soon as he could. So if you have wandered away from the Father's house, if you find yourself wandering in a far country and not where you ought to be, then you need to know you still have a friend in Jesus Christ. 
He hasn't forgotten you. In fact, he's not far away. Like, like he was, Peter, Peter uh, uh, the Lord knew where Peter was. And the Lord knows where each and every one of you are as well. Uh, he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forsaken you. He still loves you as much as he ever has. He just wants you to come to the place where Peter came to. He wants you to be willing to confess your sin and begin again to follow him. He once did. And then his, uh, uh, his friend Jesus fed him. Now this is a great, there in verses 9 through 14. Here they are fishing all night. They haven't caught a thing. They're cold. They're hungry. They're wet. And uh, they come to shore. And Jesus has everything they did not have out there on the boat. Jesus has the fish. He has the fire. They get warm. They, uh, he has everything there for them. They, they found what they, and the, and the fellowship. Nothing uh, what they had out there fishing. And so everything they lacked out in that boat, they found when they came to Jesus. And you know, we'll find the same thing. Maybe you've experienced that in your life, where you've gotten to a backslidden condition, and you toiled, and you labored, and it seemed like you were not getting anywhere in life, and, it, and you were miserable. But when you came back to Jesus, you found everything that you needed. He was, it was there. Uh, so uh, the prodigal son again. Remember when he, he came to himself, and he went back home? He found everything he did not have in that world. Uh, living riotous, uh, riotous life, he uh, came back and found everything. He found a, a father waiting for him that loved him. He found compassion. He found love. He found forgiveness. He found cleansing. He found total restoration. He found food for his hungry soul. And I'm telling you, that's what you will find when you come back to Jesus Christ. Uh, we get in our minds, oh, the Lord doesn't want me. Uh, the Lord, I have failed. I can't, I'll never be able to do what I once did. And that's not true. God loves you. He wants you to come back. He wants to have that fellowship with you. He wants to restore you uh, to be able to accomplish his will. So his friends, um, his friend Jesus, not only did he feed him, but he freed him. Freed him from the guilt. Freed him from the sin that held him back. And he recommissioned him. Peter said, I can't. I can't do that. God says, I, uh, over and over, he, he reiterates this truth that he wanted to restore him to do uh, that task. And so in these few verses here, Jesus freed Peter from that bondage of sin and failure and uh, got him back to the work of God. Um, look, the Lord Jesus took Peter to the place where he, he, he told him, feed my sheep, over and over again. What he's saying there, Peter, the same, the same calling I had upon your life years back, when I called you to follow me, to forsake all and follow me, and you did. I want you right back there. Follow me. That's it. Follow me. Just do my will. And But Peter could have, could have questioned, well, Lord, wait a minute. I failed. Yeah, I failed, but that doesn't matter. Do my will, feed my sheep. Yes, we make mistakes, but we have a, a friend in Jesus who will forgive us and restore us back to where uh, we were before we failed. And what's the future for Peter? Well, quickly here, verses 18 through 19, uh, we see <clears throat> what the future holds for Peter. Uh, Peter was, a, he eventually did give his life. Uh, it was a future or a, a future of sacrifice for Peter. 
Doesn't sound too exciting, but I'll tell you what, Peter sure is, is clipping the coupons in heaven tonight. But Peter, he eventually gave his life for the Lord. Uh, his uh, call was to follow Jesus unto death, and that's what he did. Tradition tells us that Peter was eventually put to death by crucifixion. And upon his own request, he said, I don't want to be crucified like my Savior Jesus. He requested that he be crucified upside down. Now, that's what tradition tells us. We don't have that in Scripture. But nonetheless, we do know that he uh, was crucified. He died uh, for the Lord. He said, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior did, but I am willing to die. So if you decide to, to come home, if you decide to make a renewed commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, you just know this. The Lord takes that serious. It's not a game with Jesus Christ. He wants us to be serious about our service to him, to be willing to sacrifice that his will is done. And then it will be a future of, of service. Uh, there, verse, look at verse um, uh, 19. I'm not there just quite yet. Uh, Verse 19, it says, This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Now, this, um, there in verse 19, Peter's told that his life from this moment forward will be to glorify the Lord. Uh, he is no longer to live for self, but he now is to live for God and uh, to do all things to his glory. Folks, that's what we do today. Do all things to the glory of God, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do. And there are, are some who need to come and repent for living for self and not living for God. And you know, it's easy for us to get caught in that trap because that's where the world lives. It's always number one. And that's not what God wants, though. And then it will be a future of surrender. I just read that verse where Jesus say, says to him, follow me, the very last uh, words there of, of verse 19. And so the last thing Jesus did is the first thing he did with Peter. Like I said earlier, he called Peter to follow him. He was going to make him fisher of men. And here again, he says, Peter, follow me. Feed my sheep. That's what he's saying. You know, be fishers of men. Be fisher of men. And uh, continue to do the work that I've called you to do. Follow me. And all Jesus wants from you, Christian, is a surrendered life. A life that is lived to the glory of God. A life that exalts him um, and uh, lived in his will and, and service. He simply wants you and I to follow him. Uh, let me close with this thought. What does your future hold for you? We talk about the future, how we don't know uh, what the future holds. But I'm saying this, based upon what we're doing right now, does our future have in store for us chastisement, the chastisement of God, misery, uh, difficulty after, after difficulty? Or does it hold joy and peace and blessing and glory for the Lord? The answer to that question really depends on what we do right now. Um, some, like Peter, may be toiling and laboring out there and miserable, and there's the Lord calling out to him. Uh, from the shore the lord's there the lord has never left we have we may forsake him but he'll never forsake you and he's wanting us to be in that close fellowship and to come back and i pray that tonight you'll remember this if you don't remember anything else you have a friend 
in Jesus who wants you to walk with him and to live for him, follow him tonight. Let's bow our heads together.